0: It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast with your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. Take a seat at the table and join the conversation as David, Kevin, and their guests discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology to song selection. Feel free to poke fun at David's hair, talk football, or bring up other topics that have nothing to do with worship. We want to add your voice to the conversation. Find us on Twitter at twitter.com WMCatalyst. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash WorshipMinistryCatalyst. Or just head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop a note in the comments section of any episode. And now
1: it's time for the show. Hello everyone. Hello. Welcome to another episode, episode one seventy four, yes, of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And the more I preach, I feel like my voice gets deeper and deeper. So, like, I might eventually have my dream <laughs> of, having of having the perfect that radio cool voice, DJ radio. That's voice awesome. In. So,
2: yeah, you know, and it's a uh, boy. It's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great thing that uh, you know you are in this pastoral preaching role and it's like your voice is getting this vocal workout, you know, and now here it is on the podcast. You know, it'd be fun to take a listen, you know, and maybe if you're on the podcast right now listening, just pause it real quick go back to episode one and just i want to hear what episode one sounds like we did that once do did remember, we? do you remember going have did we, we do that? sound very very different do we sound young or do we,
1: yeah, just sound, we sound much younger yeah oh. both of our voices are deeper now than they were back then
2: mine's more nasally so
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we've uh we've changed and grown a lot over the years uh, over what's the, it been seven years eight years eight years my yeah. goodness
2: we were we were just kids back yep, then yep. on episode one.
1: Life was very different back in those days, but
2: uh, yeah, I let's see, eight years ago, uh, Callie she she was just a year, so she was uh, she was a brand new kind of one year old, you know, running around. Uh, we didn't have Haley; she didn't even exist. Yep, yep. You only had one kid, or I had two. Did baby, You had Henry, baby Henry. Yep. So he was just a he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hmm Yeah. Hannah, yep. Hannah, she was what three? Ah uh, yeah,
1: um, two. She was two. Wow. So yeah, man.
2: Yep. Everything has changed. The it's... world has changed vastly in those eight now years. Now you got Harper. You got Harry. I mean, it's it's boy and we live on a farm and And you live on a farm yeah, and we have chickens so you know chickens can i have some eggs by the way we're short on eggs next time we get together bring some eggs all right all right right. okay
1: well but uh today we want to get right in uh, right into i say like we've gotten right into anything (laughs) ever on the history of our podcast
2: hey we've actually done a lot better a lot better part of it is because we do these interviews now as like an actual segment so we're we're kind of forced to get into it Right, but uh, yeah,
1: as, you, as you've as you heard, we're partnering with Garden City Project, and uh, Dave has been working hard to set up some great interviews with us, and we've got a great interview for you today, and uh, he's actually released a book called The Worship Pastor, and Kevin and I both got copies in the mail. We talk about that in the interview, yeah. uh, but uh, he wrote us personal notes, and
2: that's kind of cool. Yeah, super cool. So take a listen. This is uh, Zach Hicks, author of The Worship Pastor. Well, we
1: are pleased and thrilled to have with us today, Zach Hicks, and um, we're going to jump right into an interview and just welcome Zach to the show. How are you doing today, Zach?
3: Doing very well. Really glad to be with you guys.
1: Well, it's our pleasure to have you. And uh,
2: a few weeks ago, Kevin and I both got the little surprise gift in the mail. Okay, so let me just set this up for everyone listening. So, you know, we've been doing the podcast for a while. Um, I don't know if I've ever received anything in the mail from someone that listens to the show, and uh, so then I get this package in the mail, and I'm I'm like, what is this? And inside it says book, uh, and there's a note inside, and can can I read the note? Is that okay? It said, Kevin, your voice, your blog with David, I praise God for what you do to assist and strengthen worship in the local churches. Keep it up, Zach. And here we have Zach on the show. Nice, nice. yeah. <laughs> We need like some sound effects, you know, like like, like audience yeah. uh, applause, totally. Right. Well, and you know, I think this is a great lesson for all of our listeners that if you send us free stuff, you might just get on the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that the was way it works. definitely my
3: aim was to <laughs> yeah. manipulate you to get on your podcast. Well, it works. It sure. worked so. great. <laughs> great
2: job. So Zach Hicks is uh, author of the Worship Pastor, and Zach, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, maybe kind of share a little bit uh, about what you do. We we know that you are an author and a worship pastor, but why don't you share with our audience kind of who you are?
3: Yeah, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, Ooh, and uh, for for the longest time. Even though I'm a white guy, I thought I was Asian. Just because everybody I grew up with were, were Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, all sorts of the variety of the continents of Asia. And uh, and then I went to college and studied music in Los Angeles at a, at a Christian college there. Found my wife and we got married and moved to Denver. Went to seminary there and just sort of started my, my call and path leading music in churches and pursuing pastoral ministry. And I've always kind of been on that parallel path and I think part of the book is my own vocational angst in figuring out where's the line between pastor and worship leader and discovering through the process that maybe there wasn't supposed to be a line. And, uh, for the next 15 years of ministry so far, I've, I've been on the trajectory of teasing that out in various churches in Denver and in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and now in Birmingham, Alabama, where I currently reside.
1: Wow. Cool. Well, so you, the audience can't see what we're seeing, but you know. Oh yeah, you're you look like a pretty young guy. I mean, can can I ask how old you are? Do you mind sharing? Yeah, that?
3: I was born in 1980, so I am 36. Oh,
1: okay, so you're you're one year younger than me.
2: So he's you know he's not as you're you're actually just that good looking. Uh, <laughs> that's what it comes down. Which can I say? You know, I I got to say out of all the podcast interviews we've done. I know people listening can't see. We we uh, when we record, we do Skype, um, so we can see. I gotta say, Zach is arguably the best dressed, probably best looking interviewee that we've ever had. So I'm just gonna throw that up uh, for <laughs> for discussion.
3: Uh, well, I'd love to say that that's purposeful, but I'm sitting in my office. I work at a downtown church in Birmingham, and people in the South dress nicely, and oh. then people in, during during the week downtown dressed like, you know, businessmen and businesswomen. And so nice, uh, I'm fitting the part while I'm here. So it, <laughs> well, I wish I could say it's for for you guys and for the show, but it's part of my job. But all you
2: right. look great. Yeah. You know, one of the fun things about living in the Northwest where David and I live, no one cares about yeah, it. People don't dress up at all. <laughs> I agree. I <laughs> no wish, I wish that were my call. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, I grew up in again, I grew up in Hawaii in the West. And I mean, uh, dressing up was like wearing a long sleeve T-shirt or <laughs> Right. You know, pants that didn't have a floral pattern on them. Or that, like that.
2: Yeah, that's dressing up in Hawaii. That's
3: great. <laughs> um,
1: so what, I heard you talking about the degrees. How far have you ascended the uh, the degree ladder?
3: Yeah, right now I'm pursuing a doctor of ministry degree at Knox Seminary, studying the theology and worship of the English Reformation. And I'd say I'm a couple years out from completing it. It's kind of like a long distance intensive thing that I jump in and out of. So it's not full time for me.
2: Okay. Oh. Awesome! Good. Uh, congratulations, yeah, by the way. You good job. Yeah, that's fantastic. All the things that you've done, far more accomplished than myself, uh, and myself too. So, uh, congratulations. That's that's really cool. And thank you again. I, I can, to... Oh, sorry, I can put I did... on a good show and fake it. I mean, I can I
3: can fake being accomplished. But hey, you're doing. You can a great see job. through that smoke screen pretty well. <laughs>
1: Well, let's jump into uh, jump into the book, and um, as bef- to kind of get started, if you if you would, would you share with us kind of the 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 passion you had, the heart that you had, in starting this journey of writing this book?
3: Yeah, it really began about five years ago when I just started doing my own vocational reflection on my job as a worship leader who had a pastoral call and who was. Uh, recently ordained um, in, a, in a denomination. And so fit technically the pastor bill, uh, but also was continuing to do worship leadership and always wrestling with the fact that uh, I had from an early age felt a call to pastoral ministry and God had steered that call in a worship leading direction. And I thought that You know, when I was younger as a worship leader, I was always assuming there's going to come a day when I uh, become a pastor and stop doing the worship leading thing. Like, when's that day going to come to fruition? God, I always thought that that's what you wanted for me. And somewhere down the line, after just conversations with mentors and experiences in churches, I began to wake up to the fact that what I was doing in my normal weekly worship planning and leading was in fact, a form of pastoral ministry. Mm. And as that revelation occurred, number one, it, it gave me relief from a sense of like, I'm not doing what God's really built me to do. And secondly, it put me on a new path toward having conversations with other worship leaders who I sensed felt that similar angst because in a lot of our churches, there's a very clear line between the worship leader's office and call and the pastor's office and call and usually the, that that line is stark uh, and we don't normally think of ourselves crossing that line but i've met more and more worship leaders who are hungering for a ministry that's deeper than just being a rock star in front of people that actually has some formative substance to the way they think and plan and lead and shape people in in their decision making and that just kind of put me on a path toward lots of personal reflection. I started blogging about these kinds of things, having more and more conversations with people, and eventually ended up into a book outline and became something that I felt like uh, would be beneficial for this particular time and moment in the history of the church.
2: Yeah. Mm. And I I think one of the things that David and I have tried to emphasize on our podcast is the reality that as worship leaders and worship pastors— those who are involved in worship ministry, you're not just a musician. You know, you're not just a singer. You're not just a a guitar player or piano player. Um, And and there certainly are, you know, those listening today who maybe are kind of either in that bivocational role or maybe you're just assisting, you know, as a volunteer. But for a lot of people uh, who are listening uh, today who are in a worship pastor role, you know, we over the years, David, uh, we've tried to really emphasize that you have a role, a responsibility to to be pastoral, uh, to shepherd and to lead, and I think that's what I really appreciated uh, about this book.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I, um, I always wanted to be clear too, because I think one of the tensions or one of the things that's creating some difficulty for some people as they conceive of themselves as worship leaders and then pick up a book like mine, uh, is, you know, it, I, I don't feel called to be a pastor. Uh, and my encouragement to them is, Hey, read, read just the introduction and, uh, check it out because whether or not you feel called, you're already doing pastoral ministry. And uh, I think there's kind of a room for thinking about capital P pastor, you know, officially acknowledged by the church. And, you know, you, you have that in your title and the fact that there are a bunch of ways that the rest of the believers of the church, including the worship leader are in a way, fulfill a function of like a small P pastoral role. And it's basically an attempt to help worship leaders reconceive what they're already doing as pastoral ministry. And part of the burden, especially in the introduction is to say, Hey, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you're making and and you're making pastoral decisions every day. Like your job is inherently small p pastoral, and the question is not whether you are or are not a pastor in the, again the small p sense, but whether or not you're taking that intentionally or doing it haphazardly, and that that's a very big difference for how the church receives it and perceives it, and uh, is discipled by it or not discipled by it. Yeah.
2: And one of the things, uh, just to jump in here uh, on the book that um, I really liked was you took the idea of being a worship pastor and then, you know, you essentially kind of broke it up into what are some different functions of a worship pastor. And, you know, full disclosure, uh, I didn't read the entire book. Uh, I am on page 87. So (laughs) I didn't get all the way there, but... Um, Some of the stuff that uh, I've read, uh, I really appreciate it. So you you have 16 chapters here and basically 16 roles of the worship pastor. Uh, Some of the ones that really stood out to me, you have uh, the worship pastor as a church lover, uh, one who loves the church and loves what the church is doing. Uh, The other one that really stood out, uh, the worship pastor as a disciple maker, worship pastor as a prayer leader. And then, if I may, I want to read an excerpt from uh, chapter 7, The Worship Pastor as a War General. And this one was great. I I, uh, I thought this was awesome because—well, um, let me just read it. Uh, here we are, page 80. The enemy hates the worship of God more than anything else. And uh, skipping down a paragraph. Worship leaders who are pastorally alert and sober-minded need to recognize that they have a big target on their backs. Our vocations put us dangerously out in front on the battle lines of a cosmic spiritual war. And I'm like, yeah, like how, how often do I, I mean, so easily I forget that what I'm doing is spiritual. Like I'm I'm not just singing a song. I'm leading the church before the throne of God. And this is spiritual and, and the devil hates it, you know? And so like as a worship pastor, I need to be like a general. I need to be, like having a mentality of war. So I really love that. So uh, yeah, thank you for that chapter, Zach.
3: Yeah, that was a great summary. I love, love it.
2: <laughs>
1: well, uh, maybe if we can, and, and by the way, just, you know, to jump I mean, that really fits in line with how music and even worship was used a lot in the old Testament. Worship was right. the, was the battle cry, the war cry, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and this still is a war. We just, our, our enemy isn't visible. Our enemy right. is, uh, is, Spiritual in nature, and so uh it's that but i think I think you know that that gives us one one thing to think about is that as as senior pastors or as other leaders in the church and looking at the people who are leading worship you know are are they ready to uh to handle the war are they you know, are they mature enough or do we just are we looking like we've talked about before for uh, just someone who can play the guitar well enough to kind of get through a couple songs on a Sunday morning and not, and not doing our part to disciple them.
3: Right. Right. Some of this reflection really does up the ante on, on what a worship leader is and does and sort of calls some things out dynamics that are already occurring. The fact that there is a worship is kind of the front lines of a, a spiritual cosmic war that, um, that scripture tells us is just as real as the chair you're sitting in. Uh, And though we can't see it very much present and, and by virtue of us being a song leader and singing, being something very tied to warfare, uh, spiritual warfare, there's something pretty important about what we're engaging in as we stand in front of people with our guitar or in behind a piano or with a microphone.
2: Yeah. Also Uh, I was, I, I was going to, if I can, I wanted to jump in and just ask a quick question. Uh, I, I know I know, we're getting closer on our time, but I'm dying to know. I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, Zach, the chapter, uh, Worship Pastor as a Mortician. Explain <laughs> that to me. I'm, I'm fascinated by this one.
3: Yeah, if my book had a soundtrack, this would be where the death metal comes in. <laughs> right. uh, it's nice and dark. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably the most provocative <laughs> title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Lots of lots of screaming, <laughs> uh, drop detuning, all that. Yes. stuff. Um, yes. The metaphor of a mortician is really, really apropos, I think, to one one thing that I've read from a lot of other folks, which is the reality that when one of our jobs as worship leaders and planners is help the people of God prepare themselves for their encounter with death, that we're all going to die. And that dying is a very real thing that is before every last one of us. It it may just be the elephant in the room that we never name or speak because we Americans are so fearful of death. And just like a mortician, uh, a good mortician who actually has a sense of their vocation uh, cares for uh, the body that is, is being prepared for burial. Um, a, a good worship leader prepares the body of Christ to meet their maker mm. and to meet Jesus. And so it just has all kinds of implications with regards to us helping people mourn well, uh, the loss that sort of exposes that we're dead and dying people, uh, and that we always have to sort of stare our mortality in the face, especially in a Western culture that's trying so desperately to deny it at every turn. Mm. you know. And it's also just a sense of... A, what theologians call the eschatological vision. So the a vision of that we are an eschatological people meaning a people that are oriented toward the future of uh, when Christ will return and make all things new, when Christ will come back and execute justice fully and finally and that uh, our job is to be oriented toward that end so that we're we're worshiping with hope and worshiping uh, fully and dynamically kind of made into mature hopeful future oriented uh, people of God who understand the implications of that future for the present. That's the whole idea of mortician. Mm, yeah. Cool.
1: Well, uh, I'd like to jump to a couple more of these. We're not going to cover them all, and we shouldn't because people need to go buy the book yes, and read it for themselves. Buy the
3: book. I'm on,
2: like I said, I'm on page uh, 87. I'm on page 87, and I've not been disappointed.
3: Go get the book.
1: And this nice. is put out by <laughs> Zondervan, right? So they, yep, anywhere good books are sold, you can find this book. Yeah, or yeah least... and
3: I might encourage, you know, I, I know that the worship leader crowd uh, is not necessarily one that likes to read lengthy books, or at least a lot of them do, and it's kind of intimidating. And so part of the reason why there's so many chapters is to make them nice and short and to make them something that you could jump into at any point and not feel like you're sort of missing a big narrative. If you jump into, you look at a chapter and you go, oh, that sounds interesting. I totally recommend just reading what you want to read out of it and allowing the rabbit trails to come. but. The goal is is that it is short, user-friendly, e- able to be read in groups and uh, in teams with pastors and worship leaders together and worship teams and able to jump in and out without too much uh, freaking out about like what you're missing if you don't get through everything. <laughs> right. It's and, almost
1: like you're a worship pastor and you've worked with worship musicians <laughs> before.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. It is kind of funny. I mean, I know that we, we, we generally don't read a lot. That's so not the sort of It's usually, meant many times, not the way that we— uh, it's not that we're dumb or anything, but it's just that's not our learning style. Right. Uh, and so I recognize there's an inherent rub in the fact that I wrote a book for worship <laughs> leaders to read, you know, there's some, maybe I should have written a song or done some five minute videos and maybe that'll, that'll yeah. come in a little yeah. bit but for go. now this is what it is. But
2: you know what, honestly, I mean, each chapter is, is, you know, like eight, 10 pages. I mean, it's not, it's not terribly difficult to sit down, you read a chapter and, you know, I mean, I, I've been reading it from the beginning, but what you could conceivably do is you know you look at the table of contents and you're like, Oh, you know chapter Chapter twelve, the worship pastor as a mortician, I want to see what that's about, and you could just kind of read that chapter um so yeah i I, I think very very user friendly but have
1: Total. you ever read a Malcolm Gladwell book?
3: no. <laughs> no i haven't i've seen them though
1: he's got the longest chapters on the planet I know. it's like 50 <laughs> pages long every chapter but yeah
3: that's discouraging it's yeah. like a big you're staring a big hill in the face as you <laughs> open the book
1: but uh, uh two two more of these that uh i'd like to get into a little bit because um well uh, to be honest a, a lot of them are going to really be uh clarifying for for the role that worship pastors play but two in particular uh the worship pastor's disciple maker. Would you uh, share with us maybe, because I think that's that's something that maybe eludes a lot of us as worship pastors, that we we want to be discipling our people, but how do we do that in the context of worship ministry?
3: Right. What I try to say at the beginning of the chapter is that a lot of us in the churches that we've grown up in or are a part of have this view of discipleship that involves programs and maybe one-on-one coffee or going through a book together in a small group. And that's that's how we viewed discipleship. Uh, and part of the goal was to expand the horizon of what discipleship meant. First, by going to the, the Great Commission that, interestingly enough, um, connects people with connects discipleship with worship pretty dramatically when Jesus encourages people to go into the world and and preach the gospel to every nation. And then he talks about doing things that we do primarily in worship, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Suddenly we're in sort of gathered corporate worship realm. And so even that connection of Jesus has us realizing that stuff that goes on in worship affects people's uh, formation, the way they think about God. And we're, we're shaping their, their, their theology. First off, the songs that we give them, give people a sense of who God is and who we are before God. Uh, and it also, it's, it's something that is teaching people how to relate to God. Like, how do I pray? How do I talk to God? Uh, oftentimes we're, people are learning that, that very, uh, real part of being a disciple of talking to God through the worship songs that we plan or lead. like They learn the types of language that are appropriate to uh, utilize when we're praying to God. And the question is, are we giving them a breadth of prayer that matches the Psalms, for instance? Are we sort of, are we giving them a diet of theology that that spans the breadth of scripture and strengthens them as people who are going to be relating to God the other six days of the week. And and once you start asking those kinds of questions, you start realizing all the formative implications for our decisions and what's planned and sung and prayed and spoken in a worship service by us and by others.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's there. There's so much potential in worship to, to disciple. And we've talked about that from time to time, but, um, I think I think there are, like you said, more creative ways that we can think about discipleship, that it doesn't have to always boil down to a program and a fill in the blank study guide. And that's not and honestly, that's not always necessarily even discipleship. You know, you can learn a lot of information, but are you being a disciple if you only know things and never actually do them, you know?
3: Right, right. Well, you know, and interestingly enough, to that point, I think one of the best classic distinctions a theologian ever made, his name is J.I. Packer. He said there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Mm. And what's cool about worship is that it's not a theological lesson. We're not there to teach people theology. We're there to relate and connect to God. And what Packer would say, what I'd say, I think what others would say is that that actually is theology and theological work to know God to relate to him to connect with him and uh, that's that that puts worship on the front end therefore of theological education rather than on the back burner
1: hmm. well one one more that I want to jump to before we're out of time here and that is the the next to last one here the curator mm-hmm. uh, the role of the the worship pastor as curator uh, I'm really intrigued by that idea would you just kind of share with us real quick about that?
3: yeah. well, maybe broadly, you know we you and I exist in this information age where we've got more access to resources for worship planning and leading, including songs than ever before. Right. And right. it's no no longer held strongly by the labels that are producing worship music. Now we've got, people making recordings in their own churches and therefore between the songs and the liturgical prayers and resources and just the options that are out there, we've got a lot at our disposal. And therefore now more than ever, our job is a uh, as faithful pastors is to kind of curate all that and decide what, what makes it into my church. You know, What are we going to do on the grounds in my local assembly? And so I try to tease out that just like a museum curator is thinking about people is using materials uh, to showcase pieces of art. So they're thinking about the framing of the piece of art and its position on a wall. So too, we have all these materials like uh, music and uh, readings and prayer and preachings, sacraments and ordinances, and even our transitions. And we can think of those all like, like materials to be displayed and utilized properly in a way that uh, allows people the, to journey through the story of worship in a meaningful way, just like a curator would help someone journey through an art museum in a meaningful way.
1: Well, I, I can't remember the book that, that this was in, this was a while ago. And it was a book about, uh, church communications, you know, the church communications director role kind of, but, uh, she, she was saying in this book that the role of a curator is not to just to decide what to put up on the walls, but what doesn't go up on the wall. Uh.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just about as much about your decisions of exclusion as it is of inclusion. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, and that's and that's a hard one as worship pastors because you know we get people bringing stuff to us and they want <laughs> us to do this or they want us to do that and they're passionate about it. But is it what's best for the discipleship and the community of the whole body, leading them into war in the week ahead? Is it going to really foster this one person's relationship with God or the whole body's relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Quick quick story
2: on that one. You know, my wife, there was this song that she just loves on the radio, Lauren Daigle song. And she's like, Kevin, we got to do this song, you know? And she never, she never asks me to do songs because she knows I, you know, I get it enough. And, you know, like I couldn't do it. I like, Like the song just wasn't what our church needed. And I'm like, I'm like, sorry, honey. Like, we're not going to do this song. And she still doesn't let me forget it. She's like, remember that one time I asked you to do a song? And you're like, no. So one time. The one time I'm like, Kevin, we got to do this song at church. I love this song. And it's a great song. Like, it's a song that's meaningful to her, but it's not a song that is going to, that I felt as a worship pastor was going to draw our church together into an expression of worship to God. And so I was like, I was like, babe, this is a great personal worship song for you, but you know. So the takeaway, awesome. I think, yeah, yeah, I
3: think you were making a pastoral decision in that moment, but it's a little, you know, it's a little bit of rub because it's your wife, and you got <laughs> to exactly. you got to deal with that. Yeah, the, you know, even even worse is when yeah. you we get. I'm sure you guys have experienced this, but you get people coming up to you saying full blown like. I have this song that God gave yeah, me. Yeah, right. It yes, is yes. from the Lord, mm-hmm. yes. which, you know, and it, you know, and you, you listen to the recording or listen to them play. And for a variety of reasons, it's not, you know, and then what do you do? Cause they sort of played the whole Holy spirit trump card where they're like, yeah. this is directly from the Lord. God, you know, God and gave I'm like, to well, uh, I don't know. I'll trust the scriptures as being directly from the Lord, but let's, let's, uh, let's talk, you know, yeah. and it, Challenging moments, challenging moments, which, pastoral moments. Which
1: Lord are you talking about when oh. you say this? Uh, but that's, that goes to show you, even the, even your role as curator <laughs> mm-hmm. means you yep. might have to tell your wife no it about happens. things yeah. from time to time. It but, happens. Or your spouse. But Okay. Well, um, really quickly here before we kind of wrap things up, would you let us know where, where our listeners can go get in touch with you, follow you, know a little bit more about you and what's going on in your life?
3: Definitely find me on Facebook, uh, Zach Hicks. Zach is spelled without anything other than a Z-A-C. Uh, Twitter, at Zach Hicks. And certainly my website, Zach Hicks.com, which looks like the chicks.com unintentionally. So <laughs> cool. But so many people have pointed out to me, it's like, I have to get ahead of that and just name it and claim it. And <laughs> nice. so that's, that's my website's name. So you can go to the chicks.com <laughs> and find all kinds of information. I love talking with people about this stuff. Yeah. So be glad to interact.
1: Cool. But we do have, um, three books that, that we're giving away for listeners of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, some freebies for uh, for people that uh, go to the blog article where we're uh, where we introduced the uh, that we were having Zach on the on the podcast, and there's a link in that article, and you can go
2: follow that. and uh, three lucky clickers, I guess. yes. so go uh. so go to the website, click the link. You'll be entered to win. you might you might get a free book like David and I got yeah. a free book. And uh, in, in all honesty, Zach, seriously, thank you. Thank you for this book. Um, I, I still have a, you know, I still have some more to read, but I'm going to continue to read it. Um, I feel like I've, I've, uh, been encouraged in my role mm-hmm. as a worship pastor and, um, I, I want to challenge those listening to, uh, to get the book, you know, because there are some legitimate things in here that will encourage you in your, um, in your ministry and what you're doing. Uh, so thank you for this book, Zach.
3: Thank you, David and Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on and being willing to dialogue about this stuff. I'm so grateful.
2: Yeah. Great stuff. Well, this has been uh, a wonderful time. The book is the worship pastor. The author is Zach Hicks. Go check it out. That was cool. That was cool. I um, He's a cool guy. You know, uh, and, and I know we mentioned it during the episode, but uh, honestly, y'all like if you could see him, he was the best dressed, sharp, best looking, sharp looking guy. Yeah. Best looking guy. I'm telling you, he was, uh, he was a 10. Awesome. <laughs> Way to go, Zach. <laughs> I don't I don't know how far we should go down this road. Okay. Though. That might be a little,
1: <laughs> getting a little awkward and uncomfortable there, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, uh,
1: lots of, lots of great information and, and honestly, um, a great, great resource. Uh, yeah. For senior pastors, oh yeah, you know, if, if senior pastors, because many senior pastors know nothing about music, they don't know anything about the whole worship ministry world, and so it's like, I mean, it's like trying to, you know, talk to someone who speaks a different language because you just—it's such a different world between the the administrative leadership role of of leading the church and the worship pastor's role and leading musicians and creatives, mm-hmm. and I think this gives. Senior pastors a great resource to hey let's walk through this book together let's 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 get a copy of this book and let's just kind of go through this and 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 figure one another out and then and then using that as a worship pastor to disciple your your other worship leaders and people you've got on your worship team a great resource
2: yeah and and I think in addition to that, you know as a pastor a, a lead pastor or a, a preaching pastor or whatever um you know if you were to read this book, I think maybe it even helps kind of articulate the reality that you know worship pastors are not just you know hired musicians. like worship pastor is an important role of of shepherding and leading a church. And you know all the the areas that we talked about with Zach, you know uh, even the mortician, you know, um the curator, uh, you know the um uh, the war, the war general. I mean, uh, these are important roles, biblical, pastoral, shepherding type roles. Uh, that um, that I think is good for a senior pastor to hear.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the book, I strongly recommend you go get it. And like Zach shared, he wrote it with a worship pastor in mind. So short chapters, so you can actually great. you can get <laughs> he's through like, a chapter. He's like,
2: I know my audience. I know <laughs> these guys can't you know read anything for more than five minutes. So right, yeah. So it's
1: it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you to read it, and you can take your time. You know and just work your way through it and it'll be, it'll be worth your time doing so. But, uh, make sure you check him out and check out, uh, Zach and all the great stuff he has to offer, uh, outside of just the book. So,
2: um,
1: great things going on and, uh, make sure you enter to get, get your free copy. You might be yeah. one of the lucky three people that gets a free yep. copy. Click,
2: click that link, get your copy, do it.
1: But, uh, right now, before we kind of sign off a couple things, we want to draw your attention to first is the Psalms project. Um, and that is on you can go to worshipministrycatalyst.com click on the projects tab and on that list you'll see the psalms project and that's putting scripture to music uh, and it's more than just that it's a, you know it is uh, musical or not scriptural contributions about the psalms will be featured in the UVersion version bible app with over 120 million downloads which
2: is cool i mean that's a that's a for real app and yeah. to be actually like featured On that app, I mean, that's like, talk about an audience.
1: Yeah. So we would love to invite you to go over and be a part of that and start looking at uh, how you could contribute to that and what work you might be able to uh, have be a part of that project. So go to our website and click on the projects tab and and go look at that. But also, um, you can get a free month of music lessons. Hello. So, you know, Dave and uh, Garden City Project and Finale Music, uh, which is their, which is Garden City's uh, local music art school. Um, offering up a free month of music lessons for your friends or family—it's as a stocking stuffer if you want to use that. Hey, cool. you got someone in your family who wants to learn how to play something? Do it, take it, and take advantage of it. And these are lessons taught by uh, good teachers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, quality people. I mean, you know, you already mentioned the Finale School of Music, which, uh, if you know anything about Garden, uh, the uh, the Garden City uh, project, you know that they have just phenomenally talented, creative individuals that are. Uh, you know, kind of partnering with them. So that, uh, but Berkeley, uh, Grand Canyon, uh, Visible, Jam Play, I mean, th- these are going to be really good uh, teachers.
1: And it's safe for your family. The teachers are background checked, and it's a safe environment for your kids to learn music. Yep. So go check that out. Uh, you can check it out on our site, worshipministrycatalyst.com or go to takelessons.com as well and learn more about that but that's all the time we have for this episode episode 174 in the can you can find us online worship ministry twitter.com slash wm catalyst or facebook.com slash worship ministry catalyst you can send an email to
2: uh kevin send it to me kevin at worship ministry and we love it if you tell your friends about us let them know you heard about
1: uh zach on the worship ministry catalyst podcast and uh, spread the word that way, if you will. And then if you would, if you don't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that helps other listeners know that we're still here. We're and, here. And uh, a show to help encourage them in their worship ministry journey. Eight
2: years into the journey, we're still living the dream. Yeah, living
1: the dream. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Twitter.com slash
0: Catalyst. Facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst.